Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. And before we dive in, we have two quick announcements. First, we're so excited to have our next live show on May 6th, part of the Central Washington Conference for the Greater Good. We'll put information on our website, nonprofitradioshow.com, but come join us. Our second quick announcement is we are so grateful for the production support from Steve Fonslet and Mep Schulte of Three Choices Communications. Thank you so much, Steve and Meps. We couldn't do this without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So today we're going to talk about trust. There have been a few reports out over the past year that warn us that trust in institutions has decreased, including with nonprofits. One body of research that we'll link in the show notes says that it's only 19% of people who highly trust nonprofits. 19%, Nancy, that's like the saddest figure I think I've heard. I definitely have seen lots of different numbers about trust, but no matter which one you pick, you're absolutely right that what we're seeing is that trust is down year over year, and we know that trust matters. I read a recent independent sector report that says 83% of donors say that a nonprofit has to earn my trust before I will support them. So it's a big deal to us in the nonprofit sector, and the trend is not going in the direction we want. You're absolutely right. And, you know, we could complicate things by talking about the sector as a whole or government or all sorts of various things. But but let's really focus this conversation on one nonprofit. So maybe your nonprofit, right? Right. Let's just let's just picture a nonprofit or so it can be yours or maybe it's one that you like to give to. and, And let's just ask ourselves these questions. What causes people to trust a nonprofit? How do you know if people trust your nonprofit? Because trust, so interestingly, Nancy, it's it's not a thing you get to declare, right? As an organization, it's something others perceive about you. So how, how do you know? How do you know if people trust your nonprofit? And what can you do to increase trust? Yeah, you know, that's a really good point that you can do everything possible to earn people's trust, but ultimately you're not the one doing it. So Very good point. You know, your mission is your promise to your community, I think. I mean, it's where you are saying to your community, the people you serve, your donors, this is the difference that we're going to make. So like if you say we're going to impact homelessness in your community, people expect to see evidence that more people are being housed. It's that alignment that what you say you're going to do lines up with what they see is happening, with what you're communicating is happening. There's no mystery in how it all connects. There's transparency. So people get intellectually and in that kind of gut check sort of way, what you do and why. Your actions show your words. Such good point, Nancy. And I I think there are lots of examples of nonprofits out there that do do that. And lots of examples of ones where they could build a little more trust. So let's dig into our mythical nonprofit organization that we're thinking about today. And let's talk about some examples. How do we know if our nonprofit organization is doing enough? How do we know that people trust? Well, I think first people who trust us come closer to the work. 
So they come seek us out for some reason. They either seek us out to volunteer, to donate. Maybe there's an advocacy issue. I mean, I'm sure in your nonprofit, Sarah, you've been in a case where a policymaker has called you because there's some issue happening. Right. They trust. It's so interesting. That's the verb I just immediately go to. They trust that we will have a fair or thoughtful or at least well-researched answer to their question. Mm -hmm. I know that that people contact me regularly about nonprofit topics, and I delivered board training for years, and I still get regular emails of, what do you think about this question? Or we have this challenge and we don't know what to do. Over the years, just from me showing up in places, people have trusted that I at least know who they can reach out to as they're looking. And, And so that goes to our next thing is that they ask questions about the work. So we all know just in a good relationship, I know you're listening to me if I say something and you ask a follow-up question. That shows that that I can trust that you're listening to me and that we're in this conversation together, right? The same is true with a nonprofit. Absolutely. You know, it's so interesting. Sometimes I think as nonprofits, we get a little defensive about questions. And I love that you're reminding us that we should see those questions as a movement toward us instead of an attempt to distance. Mm -hmm, For sure. I think another point is that they, whoever they are, don't try to control the work. That we talk a lot about philanthropy and the importance of general operating support versus very narrow donor-restricted funding. And I think when you have a relationship where people trust you, whether they be community members or donors or philanthropy, whatever, they don't try to control the work because they know you know what you're doing. You know, it's so interesting. I think we've said this before, but for me, the ultimate sign of trust is the pronoun they use when talking to you about an issue they care about. So I always know when I've reached a certain point with someone in trust, when instead of them saying, hey, Sarah, your organization really needs to do X, Y, or Z, or you need to do X, Y, or Z, or what are you doing about X, Y, or Z? And they say, what can we do about X, Y, and Z? And and that moment when they choose that pronoun that engages them with us, then there's definitely trust. That's a real clear indicator of trust. I love that. And it goes both ways because I know as a donor, once an executive director weed me in a way that just tickled me pink. I was so excited because she called me to tell me about some great aspect of their program. And she said, you know what we did? We did this thing. And I was like, I'm part of the we. She trusts me. So they uphold their commitments. So that could be that they're volunteering and they show up or they're donating and they say, I'm going to give for the next three years. And they do. (laughs) They actually show up and they do what they say they're going to do. For sure. And, you know, those are actually things you can you can try to quantify and see if you're trying to get a sense of where where's our trust. If you're if you're trustometer about your organization need some data, that's a good data point. Mm-hmm. I think last the last thought I have is that they demonstrate a belief in your competence. We've all been in a position where somebody has introduced us to someone else. So my organization is doing this and some person in the community wants to make sure that I know this other organizational leader. And just the way that that communication happens, it demonstrates that belief in our competence. Absolutely. And so, you know, what this conversation is making me think about is what if I don't see these signs, right? What if in my organization, no one 
has asking our opinion on a topic in our field, or they're not seeing us as an expert in our advocacy work, or they are trying to control what we do. What do I, I mean, I do think that there are especially stages in an organization when you're just getting started, for example, or if you've had to do a restart because your, your focus or mission has changed, you know, you're starting to hear this list and think, oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not seeing those things. What do we do to increase trust? I think a lot of what we know about relationships between people comes into play with how we do this as organizations. So, so first, show up where thought leaders are or where do leaders are, people doing the work that you're doing or, you know, so if you're working in homelessness, show up at the homelessness conference, show up at some network meeting or the United Way meeting or the foundation meeting, whatever it is where people are coming together, show up. Well, and show up and be be a constructive participant, which means most of the time early on, just listening, right? Like we all have been in the spaces where someone comes in and kind of pretends to know it all uh, right off the bat. And I think trust is a, a slow simmer. It's not a quick boil. I totally agree. It's really about building the relationship. And that always takes a little bit of time. So part of that relationship building is then communicating clearly and regularly. We tend to assume that people know what we're doing, that people can make that connection between our mission, our programs, and the impact. And that they just know our values and principles because, well, we know them. They must know them, right? (laughs) Well, we can't assume that. We have to tell them. So important. And I think something we all need to pause and slow down and do more of. My next thought is to step into an identity of expert to help others see you that way. And I don't mean to do anything that's not authentic. But so often I see nonprofit people just doing the work. I'm doing this work running a musical program, or I'm doing this work uh, helping kids in an after-school program. And we don't necessarily think that I'm actually an expert in education for young children or the arts and how we get more arts into our communities. We don't step into that identity. And maybe if we did, I am an expert in this. I actually know a darn lot about after school education. And so our policy leaders could call on me to seek out my expertise. You know, and a really great tangible way to do that is to say yes to being a speaker sometimes at a, if you're invited to be on a panel or to present a workshop, that can be really scary. But I actually have always found that saying yes to that helps me reflect on what I do know, like just putting together my thoughts for a presentation helps me see what I do know. And then the actual act of presenting it and having questions posed to you reinforces both what you know and and what you don't know. And it helps to actually put you in that space as someone who people can turn to for thoughts and advice. I think that's so true. And another form of that is blogging or vlogging or posting things on LinkedIn or whatever it is to share your ideas out into the public space that I blog occasionally on adult learning topics. And I'll tell you my most popular blog stories are those where I title them some version of working out loud. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thinking through this issue and trying to figure out how it applies to people. 
And so I just put it out there. And I find it interesting that my most popular stories are those that are intentionally kind of working out loud in order to be part of this marketplace of ideas. Well, that's such a great point, Nancy. And I I think it's important to pause and, and just sit with that thought for a second, because I think there are a lot of people like you and me who have trouble saying, I'm an expert. (laughs) I actually, for a long time, didn't say yes to speaking at conferences because I was like, why would anyone want to know what I have to say? And even doing the nonprofit radio show on some level has taken some ability for me to recognize that what I'm trying to do is not say I actually have the answers, but I'm vulnerable enough and willing to share with you how I think through it. And that in the course of doing that, we're going to come to, you know, better solutions together. So I think it's this really interesting space to reframe what an expert is too, and to own that redefined space of it. So this idea I want to put out there, thinking out loud with you as we are, is just really building relationships. And we've, we keep talking about relationships, but that avoiding the transactional relationships or, or limiting them, being aware of what they are, And really leaning into building authentic relationships with people. Absolutely. And again, remember, trust is something, again, you don't get to say we're trusted. (laughs) Um, it's, it's, It's an interaction that another reflects back on your organization. So it does take time. It does take showing up consistently. And it does take some intentionality on your part. It takes your organization saying, I value us being trusted. And we're going to make decisions and do things along the way that that support that. For sure. So what's our word of the week, Nancy? Surprise me. Grasshoppers. <laughs> I think the word of the week has to be trust. And I, I mean, I, I love preparing for these podcast episodes because it invites me to think deeply about words in a new way. And we hope our listeners that you're thinking about these words and how they apply to you In our show notes, we have even some prompts that you can bring these questions back into the life of your organization. So know that that's there. So let's say, so trust. When I think about trust, I think about it in the context of, I trust you. I trust you. As a parent of young adults, I often find myself saying this phrase as they make life choices as they negotiate a car that's broken down or what course selection they should make in college. I trust you. I I think behind this phrase is a suitcase full of messages. Really, I'm saying, I know you. I have seen you in action. Well, for your whole life, I've seen evidence of consistency and behavior. And ultimately, I'm rooting for you. Like, I'm on your side. It's almost as if the word trust has a hundred micro threads that kind of weave it together as we say it. There's so much behind it. We can unpack what it is behind. I trust you. When we think about how we might say that to a friend or a family member, we can imagine what we then have to do to build trust within our organizations. Mm, I love that image of trust as being this weaving of threads. Nancy, that's that's an image I'm going to carry with me today and think about a little bit longer. For me, when I think about trust, it's so interesting. You use it as a verb. And I think about the verbs that go with trust as a noun. And what I think about is that one can earn trust or have trust and one can lose or erode trust. And when I think about that, I, I realize it's it's not a final state, right? It's a it's a constantly ebbing and flowing existence. <laughs> 
in an organization. And I, I think that's really important to remember. It's not like, oh, good, we're trusted. Check. Now we can do whatever we want. Oh, we're trusted. We don't have to worry anymore. Within the life cycle of any organization, there are going to be moments of high trust when you've just completed a program or you know had a milestone achievement and impact. And there are going to be moments of, of a lack of trust or an erosion of trust, not necessarily because of scandal or fraud or anything horrible, but you know, there are moments that when trust wavers, if your leadership changes, if your board changes, if if something does happen in a program unintentionally or you know, doesn't something doesn't have the impact, you or you miss a chance to communicate about something. And in those moments, it's really important for an organization to constantly be checking their trust meter. And saying, okay, where where are we with this? And is this a time to to do things that rebuild trust? Maybe double down on our communications, or be more clear or transparent about what's happening. Um, or is this a moment when, okay, our trust is high, we can be with it for a little bit? I have this, you know, secret fantasy that at a board meeting, when a decision's being made by an organization, one of the things that'll get asked is if we make this decision this way, does that increase trust in us or does it decrease trust in us? And just imagine the conversation, the fruitful conversation that could be if if trust was a, a filter that we used in how we made our decisions. So true. It's no wonder that the past few years has challenged the relationship nonprofits have with the people who live in our communities or benefit from our programs and support our work. We fully believe in nonprofits as the drivers of impact within our communities. We know that we can deepen the trust that people have for us and our ability to deliver effective programs. Our organizations will be stronger for it. You got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider sharing the podcast and rating us on your favorite podcast site. Your support is the best way for us to reach more people. We invite you to look at the show notes at nonprofitradioshow.com for ideas on how to bring these conversations into your organization or to tell us what you'd like to hear next. Nonprofit Radio Show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks. Editing and post-production are provided by Margaret Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. Music is by Riley Crabtree. Together, we are inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.